This is the London Visited Podcast on your favourite podcast provider, bringing to you the facts, history and information about different parts of this great capital. If you have been to London, are planning on visiting, live here or just love London from afar, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Steve and welcome to our podcast. We're here for all things London and to tell you more behind some of the iconic places and people in London's history. In this episode, we go back to the Palace of Westminster for part four, our final part, and our look at the whole palace. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. Also, if you love the podcast and the channel, why not join us as a member? Join our group of what we like to call our London Visited Crown Jewels, where there are many different benefits, including a members-only monthly podcast. Have a look by going to patreon.com forward slash London Visited. And now to this week's podcast. There are two suites of libraries on the principal floor, overlooking the river, for the House of Lords Library and the House of Commons Library. The Palace of Westminster also includes state apartments for the presiding officers of the two houses. The official residence of the Speaker stands at the northern end of the palace. The Lord Chancellor's apartments are at the southern end. Each day, the Speaker and Lord Speaker take part in formal processions from their apartments to their respective chambers. The Strangers Bar is one of the numerous bars, cafeterias and restaurants in the Palace of Westminster, with differing rules regarding who's allowed to use their facilities. Many of them never close while the house is sitting. There's also a gymnasium, a hair salon and a rifle range. Parliament also has two souvenir shops where items on sale range from House of Commons key rings and china to House of Commons champagne. The Lady Usher of the Black Rod oversees security for the House of Lords, and the Sergeant at Arms does the same for the House of Commons. These officers, however, have primarily ceremonial duties outside the actual chambers of their respective houses. Security is the responsibility of the Parliamentary Security Director. Parliament has its own professional security force, Tradition still dictates that only the sergeant-at-arms may enter their commons chamber armed. With rising concern about the possibility that a vehicle full of explosives could be driven into the building, a series of concrete blocks were placed in the roadway in 2003. On the river, an exclusion zone extending 70 metres from the bank exists, which no unauthorised vessels are allowed to enter. The Serious Organised Crime and Police Act of 2005 formally made it illegal to hold a protest near the palace or anywhere else within a designated area extending up to one kilometre from Parliament Square without authorisation for the Metropolitan Police. The Act also restricted the operation of loudspeakers in the designated area. These provisions were repealed by the Police Reform and Social Responsibility Act of 2011, which replaced them with a total ban on tents and sleeping bags in Parliament Square as well as a prohibition on the use of loudspeakers in the square without permission from the relevant local authority. Members of the public continue to have access to the Strangers' Gallery in the House of Commons. Visitors pass through metal detectors and their possessions are scanned. Police from the Palace of Westminster Division of the Metropolitan Police, supported by some armed police from the Diplomatic Protection Group, are always on duty in and around the palace. The failed gunpowder plot of 1605 was a conspiracy among a group of Roman Catholic gentry to re-establish Catholicism in England by assassinating the Protestant king, King James I, and replacing him with a Catholic monarch. To this end, they placed large quantities of gunpowder beneath the House of Lords, which one of the conspirators, 
Guy Fawkes, would detonate during the state opening of Parliament on the 5th of November 1605. If successful, the explosion would have destroyed the palace, killing the king, his family and most of the aristocracy. However, the plot was discovered and most of the conspirators were either arrested or killed while trying to evade capture. The survivors were tortured in the Tower of London, tried for high treason in Westminster Hall, convicted and gruesomely executed by hanging, drawing and quartering. Since then, the cellars of the palace have been searched by the yeomen of the guard before every state opening of parliament, a tradition precaution against any similar attempts against the sovereign. Sir Walter Raleigh was executed at the Palace of Westminster on the 29th of October 1618. The previous Palace of Westminster was also the site of a prime ministerial assassination on the 11th of May 1812. While in the lobby of the House of Commons, on his way to a parliamentary inquiry, Spencer Percival was shot and killed by a Liverpool merchant adventurer, John Bellingham. Percival remains the only British Prime Minister to have been assassinated. The new palace became the target of Fainan bombs on the 24th of January 1885, along with the Tower of London. The first bomb, a black bag containing dynamite, was discovered by a visitor on the steps towards the chapel of St Mary Undercroft. Police Constable PC William Cole attempted to carry it to the new palace yard but the bag became so hot that Cole dropped it and it exploded. The blast opened a crater in the floor, one meter in diameter, damaging the roof of the chapel and shattered all the windows in the hall, including the stained glass south window at St. Stephen's porch. Both Cole and PC Cox, a colleague who had joined him to offer assistance, were seriously injured. A second explosion followed almost immediately in the commons chamber, causing great damage, especially to its south end, but no injuries as at the time it was empty. The incident resulted in the closure of Westminster Hall to visitors for several years. When visitors were readmitted in 1889, it was under certain restrictions and never while the two houses were sitting. On the 17th of June 1974, a 9kg 20 pound bomb was planted by the provisional IRA, exploded in Westminster Hall. The explosion and the resulting fire, which was fed by a ruptured gas main, injured 11 people and caused extensive damage. Five years later, a car bomb claimed the life of Airy Neef, a prominent conservative politician, while he was driving out of the Commons car park in the new palace yard. The attack occurred on the 30th of March, 1979, one day after the announcement that that year's general election, both the Irish National Liberation Army and the Provisional IRA claimed responsibility for Neef's assassination but it is now accepted that the former were responsible. The palace has also been the scene of numerous acts of politically motivated direct action, which took place in the chamber of the House of Commons. In July 1970, a man in the strangers gallery threw two canisters of tear gas into the chamber to protest against the use of such gas in Northern Ireland. An MP and two members of the House's staff were taken to hospital and the sitting was suspended for almost two hours. In 1978, Another activist, Jana Mintov, and another dissident threw bags of horse manure. And in June 1996, demonstrators dropped leaflets. Concern about such attacks and possible chemical or biological attacks led to the installation of a glass screen across the strangers' gallery in early 2004. The new barrier does not cover the gallery in front of the strangers' gallery, which is reserved for ambassadors, members of the House of Lords, guests of MPs, and other dignitaries. And in May 2004, 
protesters from Fathers for Justice attacked Prime Minister Tony Blair with flower bombs from this part. After obtaining admission by bidding for a place in the visitors' gallery in a charity auction. Subsequently, rules and admission to the visitors' galleries were changed, and now individuals wishing to sit in the galleries must first obtain a written pass from a member certifying that the individual is personally known to them. In September the same year, five protesters opposed to the proposed ban on fox hunting disrupted the proceedings of the House of Commons by running into the chamber. The first such occurrence since King Charles I's unauthorised entry in 1642, which triggered the English Civil War. The House of Lords has also been targeted by protesters. On the 2nd of February 1988, the House debated the Local Government Bill's controversial Clause 28, a measure, a measure to prohibit the promotion of homosexuality in schools. Following the division, in which the clause passed, a number of lesbian demonstrators in the public gallery started chanting slogans and three of them tied ropes to the railing and climbed down to the floor of the chamber. Lord Monkswell, who had provided the women with passes to attend the debate, later apologised to the House for the incident, but did not criticise the protest. Similar actions had been carried out outside the Palace of Westminster. Only in the morning of the 20th of March 2004, two Greenpeace members scaled the clock tower to demonstrate against the Iraq war raising questions about the security around such a likely target of terrorist attacks. In March 2007, another four members of Greenpeace made their way to the palace's roof by means of a nearby crane, which was being used for repairs to Westminster Bridge. Once up, they unfurled a 15-metre, 50-foot banner protesting against the British government's plans to update the Trident nuclear programme. In February 2008, five campaigners from the Plain Stupid group gained admittance to the building as visitors and then moved up onto the roof to demonstrate against the proposed expansion of Heathrow Airport. From there, they hung two banners, which they had smuggled past security. MPs and security experts found it worrying that the protesters had made it to the roof in spite of the heightened security measures, and the prosecution at the activist trial argued that they may have received help from a House of Lords employee. In October 2009, at least 40 Greenpeace activists climbed to the roof of Westminster Hall to call for the adoption of policies combating climate change. Some of them climbed down after nearly five hours, while the rest spent the night on the roof. On the 22nd of March 2017, an Islamist-related terror attack happened in which a man stabbed a police officer after ploughing into pedestrians on Westminster Bridge. Five people were killed, including the attacker and the police officer. In August 2018, there was another attack, treated by prosecutors as terrorism. On the 1st of April 2019, a group of environmental protesters from the group Extension Rebellion stripped semi-naked in the public gallery during a Brexit debate and glued themselves to the handrail and glass screen with their buttocks facing the Commons chamber. MPs attempted to continue the debate, some of them incorporating puns and references to the nakedness into their speeches to much hilarity. There have been four fires on the Palace of Westminster site during 2019 and eight in 2018. In 2022, the body of the late Queen Elizabeth was left inside the hall for people to pay their respects. A man decided to jump the barriers and pull away the flag draped over the coffin. He was detained and taken away by police and officials. Smoking has not been allowed in the Chamber of the House of Commons since the 17th century. As a result, members may take snuff instead and the doorkeepers still keep a snuffbox for this purpose. Despite persistent media rumours, it has not been permitted to smoke anywhere inside the palace 
since 2005. Members may not eat or drink in the chamber. The exception to this rule is the Chancellor of the Exchequer, who may have a beverage of a Chancellor's choice while delivering the budget statement. Traditionally, this has been an alcoholic beverage, often whiskey or a similar spirit, but in recent times, some Chancellors have opted for mineral water. Men are expected to wear formal attire. Women are expected to dress in business-like clothing, and the wearing of t-shirts with slogans is not allowed. Hats must not be worn, although they used to be worn when a point of order was being raised, and members may not wear military decorations or insignia. Members are not allowed to have their hands in their pockets. Andrew Rotherburn was heckled by opposing MPs for doing this on the 19th of December 1994. The only animals allowed inside the Palace of Westminster are guide dogs. Sniffer dogs and police horses are also allowed on the grounds. Speeches may not be read out during debate in the House of Commons, although notes may be referred to. Similarly, the reading of newspapers is not allowed. Visual aids are discouraged in the chamber. Applause is also not normally allowed in the Commons, but it has since been tolerated for certain cases. Some notable exceptions to this were when Robin Cook gave his resignation speech in 2003, when Prime Minister Tony Blair appeared for the last time at Prime Minister's Questions, when Speaker Michael Martin gave his leaving speech on the 17th of June 2009, and after the resignation statement of Sir Robert Rogers, Clerk of the House. At the start of the new Parliament in May 2015, a large influx of new Scottish National Party MPs flouted the convention and repeatedly applauded their party leader, to the displeasure of the Speaker. The status of the palace as a royal palace raises legal questions. According to Hellsbury's Laws of England, it is not possible to arrest a person within the verges of the palace, the palace itself and its immediate surroundings. However, according to a memorandum by the Clerk of the House of Commons, there is no prohibition on arrest within the palace, as such arrests have been effected in the past. During three trips to London between 1899 and 1901, Impressionist painter Claude Monet worked on a series of canvases that depicted the Palace of Westminster under various lighting conditions. The building was often shrouded in the smog, prevalent in the city in Victorian times. The paintings shared the same vantage point, a terrace at St Thomas's Hospital, across the river from the palace, and many of the works were finished in Monet's studio in France over the following years. The exterior of the Palace of Westminster, especially the Elizabeth Tower, which houses the bell known as Big Ben, and its setting on the bank of the River Thames, is recognised worldwide and is one of the most visited tourist attractions in London. Tsar Nicholas I called it a dream in stone, and the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organisation, UNESCO, classifies the Palace of Westminster, along with neighbouring Westminster Abbey and St Margaret's, as a World Heritage Site. It is also a Grade 1 listed building. Although there is no casual access to the interior of the palace, there are several ways to gain admittance. UK residents may obtain tickets from an MP for a place in the viewing, Strangers Gallery in the House of Commons, or from a Lord for a seat in the gallery in the House of Lords. It is also possible for both UK residents and overseas visitors to queue for admission to them at any time of the day or night when either house is in session but capacity is limited and there is no guarantee of admission. Either house may exclude strangers if it desires to sit in private. Members of the public can also queue for a seat in a committee session where the admission is free and places cannot be booked. Or they may visit the parliamentary archives for research purposes. 
booking an appointment is necessary in the latter case, along with a proof of identity. Free guided tours of the palace are held throughout the parliamentary session for UK residents who can apply through their MP or member of the House of Lords. The tours last about 75 minutes and include the state rooms, the chambers of the two houses and Westminster Hall. Paid for tours are available to both UK and overseas visitors during the summer recess and Saturdays throughout the year. Tours to the Elizabeth Tower were suspended while refurbishment was taking place and haven't yet restarted. Architectural historian Dan Cruikshank selected the palace as one of his five choices for the 2006 BBC television documentary series, Britain's Best Buildings. In 2005, Parliament organised a year-long programme of events called Parliament in the Making to celebrate the 800th anniversary of the sealing of the Magna Carta on the 15th of June and the 750th anniversary of the first representative Parliament on the 20th of January. Events were coordinated with Parliament Week. The BBC held events throughout the year, including a Democracy Day on the 20th of January, consisting of live discussions and debates in partnership with the Speaker's Office and the House of Commons, including broadcasts from inside the Palace of Westminster. So, I hope you've enjoyed our comprehensive look at the Palace of Westminster, be that the Commons, the Lords and all of the rooms in between, all the events that have happened and the history that goes back 800 years. I really hope you've enjoyed our series. Now, if you'd like to make contact with us and suggest any places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can let me know through our website, londonvisited.co.uk or via our social media. It really is that easy. Thanks for listening. Really hope you've enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. Catch you soon on the next one.